Do what other classes do you have this afternoon? Um, AP Literature and AP Calculus. Cool. I should let you get to. <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You're missing AP Literature and AP Calculus for this. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Hey folks, let me tell you all about Lauren Grobe, who's sitting across from me right now. Lauren is a senior in the Specialty Center for Education and Human Development at Glen Allen High School. She's been interested in the education field since middle school and hopes to be either an English or a psychology professor one day. She's currently student teaching in a gifted enrichment class at Short Pump Middle School and volunteers weekly in a mixed ability second grade class at Greenwood Elementary School. Uh, outside of school, she's involved in singing and photography. She's in the top quieter school, a member of the Richmond Symphony Chorus, a two-time nationally published photographer, and the founder of her school's photography club. Uh, her advisor, Ryan Conway, described Lauren as follows, quote, Lauren is an extremely hardworking senior at Glen Allen High School who is interested in pursuing a career in education since freshman year, I have been impressed with Lauren's ability to ask questions and engage in thoughtful conversation about a variety of societal and historical topics. Lauren is the definition of an engaged student in that I can actually see her learning during class and as she interacts with her classmates, provides her opinions, and is willing to listen to different perspectives. Lauren is also a natural leader who enjoys taking responsibility and working with others. I've seen her grow tremendously with her leadership skills over the last four years. Does it sound like you? <laughs> I don't know about all that, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Two-time nationally published photographer. Yeah. For what? Um, I submitted uh, two pictures, um, two separate years that I'd taken to a contest through Photographer's Forum magazine, mm -hmm. and they have a best of high school, best of college submission um, that gets published in a book at the end of the year. So I won it twice. And what? It's been very exciting. Wow. What were the pictures? Um, one was a picture I took when I was in Croatia uh. a few summers ago. I was um, at a place called Plitvis Lakes, mm. and it's this beautiful waterfall um, and these lakes cascading into one another. So when we were at the peak, I took a picture looking down upon the whole thing, and it's it's... It's nice. <laughs> nice. So that's one of them. Yeah. What was the other one? The other is a picture I took while I was in a boat and I was behind someone else. And uh, the sun is shining and making this sort of uh, silhouette of the person in the boat in front of me. Mm. And uh, I made it black and white and added some cool effects to it. So. You'll have to send me the link yeah, after this. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, what's the purpose of public schools? I think part of living in America and getting to experience the, the school system and the opportunities of this country is that, or it's centered around the idea that no matter who you are, as long as you're willing to put in work, you can achieve what you want to achieve. And I think the public education system is really designed to protect that idea. Mm. Um, race, socioeconomic status, uh, appearance, background, all of those shouldn't influence someone's ability to 
to become a productive member of society after high school. So upon graduation, students should feel empowered to uh, enter the career of their choice and to live out their own little American dream. So <laughs> I think that the public education system is really designed to give that equal opportunity across uh, all parts of society. Now, whether that happens or not every time yeah. is, you know, it's not always the case, but it's, that's what we should be going towards. And that, that should be, the purpose is to get as close to that ideal as possible. Yeah. Okay. So let's unpack what you just said, <laughs> because that's what it should be ideally. How well are we executing that right now? How well does everybody have equal opportunity to, to become who they want to become through our public education system right now? I'd say there's a lot of room for improvement. Hmm. Um, uh, just looking within my county, Henrico County, East End school test scores compared to the West End, uh, there's huge disparity there. And I think that's an issue that needs to be addressed. You know, the, someone's zip code really can affect their ability to, um, to get into schools uh, and to um, learn what they need to learn to be successful in college and get mm. the tools that they need for success. So um, that's just within my county. And my county is one of the better counties in the state and my state is one of the better states in the country for the education program. So I think that, um, that definitely needs to be a focus on trying to, uh, decrease the disparity between different, different school districts. How do we do that? Oh, that's also a loaded question. Hmm. Um, it's not easy. Is it? It's not easy. It's there. I'm in a, a class right now. Um, called Diverse Learners, and we discuss issues in society and then through the lens of education. Hmm. Um, and we have debates on this all day on how, how can we fix things, what, what needs to be better. And uh, there really isn't a lot of answers at the moment that will, will make everyone happy. Mm -hmm. um, I think one major thing is that uh, redlining uh, school districts is needs to stop and mm. that blocking people based off of socioeconomic status and sending them to schools where everyone has the same, the same situation is harmful. Mm. Uh, and that trying to increase the diversity would in turn help, help schools increase, uh, not only their test scores, but just overall success. Yeah. Um, teacher turnover is another thing that, uh, plagues a lot of, uh, poor performing schools, um, mm. a teacher gets in, they don't necessarily have the support that they need uh, to deal with the issues that happen within the, the, the area that they're teaching and they get overwhelmed and they leave. Mm. And I think having a better support system for new teachers, especially going into lower socioeconomic areas, would be beneficial to helping uh, those schools that are struggling. Yeah. So you just alluded to some of the challenges facing our public schools yeah. today. Um, what do you think is one of the, the primary challenges that we're facing in public education today, or at least one that you're particularly paying attention to? Absolutely. Um, like I said, disparity is, is huge, and there aren't a ton of there's no perfect solution that we can just go ahead and fix. Oh, we'll just magically make all schools equally successful. Um, so I think that that's a huge challenge. And another, another big challenge is 
getting the best and the brightest to enter the education field. Mm. And uh, there's so many people within the specialty center that I go to where a lot of people freshman year thought, oh, I want to be a teacher. And then they slowly start to realize through internships and through experience that, oh, wow, a lot of teachers don't get treated that well. And maybe mm. I should consider another uh, another career. And um, through no fault of the center, the center is fantastic in preparing people who want to be teachers or who want to go into any of those fields. But um, I think that teachers need to be given an opportunity to move up in their careers. Mm. A lot of them feel stuck, I mm. think. And uh, they just need to be given more support, more appreciation so that, you know, if someone's super passionate about a subject that they want to be a teacher and that they don't necessarily want to, um, oh, you know, I could teach, I would like it, but it's just not a career that uh, is appealing because of um, the way that they're treated oftentimes. What's made you stick with it? I think my, I have actually, you know, gone in and out of wanting to be a teacher. I've, I've always wanted, I've always liked the idea and I've always thought I would be good at it, but there have definitely been times in my life where I thought, mm, maybe not. And then eventually I get back to it. Oftentimes I find that the experience that I've had within classrooms that I've worked with and I love going to class. I love teaching the kids. I love designing the lesson plans. I love lecturing. Um, I love seeing what they can do. And it's that kind of student interaction that really has uh, a big appeal for me. And you have to know ahead of time that um, students that don't receive support from home as much or don't have their, their, their needs met um, you know, in Psychology 101, you learn about Maslow's Triangle, and mm-hmm. you know at the bottom level of the triangle is is survival, and then next you have social needs, and then you can finally get to the point where you can work towards other things uh, like bettering your education. So um, it's important to keep that in mind and to be very understanding with students, mm-hmm. um, because if they're struggling. Uh, in another aspect outside of the classroom, it shows within the classroom. Uh, so I think understanding is a huge, huge aspect and being flexible and going out of your way to be supportive uh, and to really make, you know, even if someone's struggling outside of the classroom, make them feel comfortable in the classroom. Yeah. So you just mentioned some psychology mm-hmm. um, and how it applies to the field of education. Um, how do you see research as having an influence over advancing public education in our country? What role does it play? Oh, it's huge because uh, the education field is constantly advancing, constantly trying to self-improve. And without research and without data, there's no way to target efforts and finances towards something that you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's going to invest in... Um, a solution if they don't think that it's going to be successful or if they don't know where uh, the money and effort and time is going to go. So uh, data is super important in tracking what needs to be fixed, what can be fixed, uh, how is the improvement going, stuff like that. So 
a lot of the stuff that you focused on in um, your work and in the specialty center here is about student development. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. Uh, what have you learned about student development and understanding where somebody is in their, in their growth and why that matters in their educational outcomes? Um, student development you know, is a very broad term. Uh, a lot of times social development and academic development uh, correlate. And a student that is more, more able to communicate with their peers and, to, and that have a healthy social life and a healthy life at home uh, in turn do much better in the classroom and are able to be more engaged in the classroom. Mm. Uh, so that really uh, bolsters the holistic approach of, of education to try to make sure that okay yes they do students do need to learn uh, how to do this math problem and how uh, or a list of these presidents but we also need to be making sure that they're um, that they're well developed in other areas of their life too yeah why do you think social emotional and behavioral development um, matters so much for educational achievement or academic achievement. Schools are a social environment. You're constantly with your peers, uh, and being, uh, you know, if you're anxious around other people, you're anxious in the classroom because you either just came from talking to someone in the hallway or came or are currently communicating in class. A lot of classes are discussion based, so if you know if social, if you have social issues, it's uh, difficult to succeed mm -hmm. and. Um, any other mental health issues, depression, anxiety, uh, stuff along those lines carry into the classroom and can distract from the, the learning that should be taking place. Yeah. Um, in the, the intervention work that I've done, we've, we've learned that um, everything really is a um, social, emotional, behavioral intervention. Mm -hmm. right? So if you care about the academic outcomes of your students, you have to attend to who they are emotionally first. Exactly. Um, because the academic part, in a lot of ways, will kind of take care of, of itself. Mm -hmm. right? So if you can get a student to a place where they feel ready to perform, then they'll perform for you. Yeah. yeah. And I, I did some research my junior year for a TED Talk that everyone in the center gave. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did my TED Talk on student engagement and what makes a, a student interested in their class. And I found a huge uh, correlation uh, while doing research between student-teacher relationship and the engagement in class. And I think that when a student is in, or a teacher is invested in their student, emotionally and that they have a good relationship with one another and uh, the teacher makes it clear to that student that you know they're also trying to help them succeed outside of the classroom mm -hmm. that that student in turn is more invested in that class and does better so mm -hmm. I think uh, student teacher relationships are a great way to foster that sort of um, development within the classroom but that addresses things that might happen outside of it yeah, so relationships matter. Mm -hmm. What do you think the difference is between a student's performance and a student's ability level? I think in an ideal situation, they match. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, uh, students oftentimes uh, do not see their full potential 
and uh, cut themselves short and therefore do not put in the effort needed to do well. Uh, there's a psychological phenomenon called learned helplessness, mm -hmm. where when a student fails one time, they feel that they can't uh, improve and then they stop putting in the effort and they just um, justify everything as, oh, I would fail anyway. And that kind of behavior really damages their ability to perform in class. Yeah. What do we do for a student who has started to develop that kind of identity of learned helplessness? I think it can all go back to a student-teacher relationship. If the teacher notices that that's happening, uh, just taking the time to, to sit them down, have a conversation with them and say, look, you may not have done well this one, this one instance, but this is what you can do to improve, and I know that you can do it, and let's figure it out together, and we'll get you back on the right track. Yeah, you have high expectations for them. Mm -hmm. Why do expectations matter so much? I think because people tend to meet them. Mm -hmm. uh, if someone is expecting you to fail and they, oh, they're, they're not going to do well, they're, you know, maybe they have a learning disability, oh, automatically we'll just, you know, I'll make things a little easier for them and, it, you know, I'm not expecting them to do so well. People that have expectations put upon them, that student sees that in themselves um, and they tend to match it. Whereas if you have a student that's struggling but you tell them that I expect you to do better and I know that you can do better and not just telling them that but giving them the tools they need to achieve it, um, they will rise to the occasion most of the time and uh, match what other people put upon them as their expectations. Yeah. Uh, Lauren, you're about to go into the field of education. <laughs> what do you see as the future of public schools? I see, hopefully, um, a big shift, and I think I'm starting to see this in a lot of my classes now, uh, towards more applicable knowledge. Instead of simply answering a multiple choice question about something, being able to talk about it, being able to teach it to someone else, uh, more project-based learning that uh, can be used in college and in, out in the workforce because as soon as you leave high school, no one's going to give you a multiple choice test asking you X, Y, and Z. They're gonna ask you to do something with that information and to turn it into something that's actually useful for other people and that is productive because mm. um, that's just how the world works. You have to be productive. And uh, I see that a lot in my classes. There are more discussion-based classes, uh, projects, uh, communication skills, I think are all on the rise and I think they'll continue to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, technology is another aspect of this whole 21st century ideal of education that I think we're slowly uh, shifting towards, and well, maybe not slowly at all, I think we're pretty rapidly shifting towards the more technologically based education because uh, that's, that's what life is like afterwards. And you have to be prepared to, to do that when you leave and to be productive. You opened up by talking about how um, public schools ideally are a place where everybody, no matter where they come from, can be successful. Mm -hmm. um, and then contrasted that with where we currently are. In the future, do you feel like we'll move closer towards that ideal? I would like to think so. 
I think that there are plenty of people trying to make that happen. And uh, I think that the more people have their eyes open to to the issues and to the truth, that more people are going to be motivated to try to fix them. And uh, if we can get people united behind a cause of really investing in the public education system and really making it a priority, that I think over time things will get better. Um, so if you're listening to this and you can't get enough of Lauren Grove, <laughs> then you should come to our conference on October 17th because Lauren is going to be on our closing panel and we'll share this great expertise that she's built in her in her work and what she's learned um, with everybody that's there. So you should come and we'll continue this conversation there. Lauren, thank you so much for your time and perspective and for what we know you'll do as a teacher moving forward. Your students will be so lucky to have you and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lauren. <laughs>